0: I went through MK Ultra conditioning or mind control, which you can read about how oh, the CIA used this in Project Paperclip in World War II. But the reason they they split your personality, they split you, is so that they can control you. So all my life, I felt very controlled, and there was a reason for that. But yeah, Jesus has been walking me through it. I still I still am on the journey to complete freedom, but God has led me to hundreds hundreds of other survivors. Who have gone through the same things, very similar, some even worse than me, and I've been able to help people who may be at the beginning of their journey and help bring them along. And I know this sounds weird, and this sounds like so out there, but it's it's very true, and it happens to me, and it happens to so many other people. He became my teacher, and I would feel his glory, like his presence. So I'm trying not to cry so much and I would just be on the floor and feel him and just have this peace and I just knew like this is so real it's so real and yeah he does get a bad rap because there's a lot of Christians that don't represent him well but I have felt his love that's what Jesus came to give an abundant life so if you feel that you're stuck in depression stuck in anxiety you feel unfulfilled or like What's my purpose in life? I promise you that God has that for you. Just seek him, ask for him, call out to Jesus. All who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved.
1: So this episode is not gonna be my typical freelance content, although I am interviewing a student from my course, 30 Days to Paid. We are gonna be talking about certain topics that are sensitive, so I'm giving a trigger warning. We are gonna be talking about topics like depression, repressed memories, and certain types of physical and sexual abuse. My faith is my number one central priority and theme in my life, but you might not know that about me because as a lot of you know I come from a corporate background where talking about faith religion politics any of that stuff is really taboo so I just haven't really been very outspoken about my beliefs politically or religiously whatever but something I am really passionate about is having faith in something and freedom of religion and that's why I'm so excited that me and Chantel who you're gonna listen to in this interview that we connected over our faith and it was because I mentioned briefly in a past episode that I had a near-death experience that led me to Christ I was very into new-age spirituality astrology yoga and this experience I had made me do like a complete turn and I had just mentioned that briefly in a past video telling my story about how I became a freelancer and actually a lot of people reached out to me and were like actually I'm a Christian too and I'm interested in that you should tell your story so Although that's gonna be way out of my comfort zone, I feel like this interview is a good step in the right direction for me of actually broaching talking about my faith publicly. So Chantelle is going to share her background in speech language pathology and how she actually withdrew from a master's program before becoming a freelance copywriter. She's going to talk about her involvement in her Christian missionary organization where her and her husband administer healing to people in need. Chantel is going to share how she felt God led her to her copywriting niche and was really guiding her and directing her, which was so powerful because... The biggest issue copywriters come across is the spirit of confusion and just feeling super overwhelmed. So hearing how she came to her decision was so inspiring. Make sure you're subscribed to the podcast or the YouTube channel wherever you're listening to this right now because I'm uploading new content every single week on how to succeed as a solopreneur, freelancer, and someone who wants to break free of their nine to five and find that success and freedom. Chantel, I'm so excited to have you here today. Thank you for being willing to do this. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, I'm excited to dig into your background and how you made your way to copywriting, but just give us the backstory. You know, where are you from and what position were you in when you got started on this journey?
0: Sure. So I'm from Los Angeles. I'm married. I have two beautiful children. And my background's actually in speech-language pathology. So growing up, I kind of always knew I wanted to do something in the medical field, not really sure what, but I happened upon speech-language pathology or speech therapy. And what's great about that is that there are so many different avenues you can work in. So you can work in schools, in private practice, you can even work with musicians. But I was drawn to the hospital settings so i got to shadow speech pathologists in a hospital and did my internship and everything so i got my bachelor's in speech therapy and then i did a couple semesters of my master's program at nyu actually okay. and that was going great like i loved it i was doing really well but it was during that time that i got pregnant with my first with my daughter And I had time to really reflect and think about what I wanted to do in life. And I realized that um, speech therapy, I was good at it. It was fun. It wasn't really my passion, though. It wasn't really where my heart was. And I felt like I didn't want to lose time with my children doing something that my heart wasn't really in. So I decided to withdraw from the program. And it was a hard decision, but I felt like... I felt a weight being lifted off my chest. And so I, during that time too, my husband and I were actually part of a Christian missionary organization. And it was so great. My husband had been part of that organization for about 10, 11 years. And he had traveled the world doing an inner healing type of ministry. So just working with people on life transformation, people who've had trauma in their past, And so when we got married, I was able to join and it was so powerful and impactful. We even were able to train other missionaries who are about to be deployed. We were actually able to teach them about something that we were very passionate about, which is spiritual warfare. So before these missionaries were getting deployed, we, we put together a whole lesson and we got to interact with other missionaries and teach them. And so, so yeah, I had my daughter, we were doing this missionary work and the way that I actually got into copywriting, I normally tell people like, oh, it kind of just came to me, which is true, but it was actually when my daughter, she was an infant at the time in 2020 and she was still nursing throughout the night. And so one time during the night, just one random night, I got up to nurse her and Really loudly in my head, I heard copywriting, copywriting. And I'm thinking, okay, what, like, where is this coming from? Am I dreaming? What's going on? But I just kept hearing that copywriting, copywriting. And I knew that the voice wasn't mine because I didn't even know what the word was. But so I figured it was God. And growing up, I'd always heard God's voice. I always heard God speaking to me. I've always had a very close relationship to Him. So it wasn't weird. It was just, What was weird was I had never heard of what he was talking about before. So I went on Google and I looked up what is copywriting, but I spelled it R-I-G-H-T because I thought that's what it was referring to. So all I got was like copyright, like laws. And so I'm, I'm asking God like, oh, do you want me to go into law? Like, what is it? But then I ended up going on YouTube and found someone talking about copywriting, actual writing. And so when I just heard what it was about, I was like, wow, this is perfect because I've always loved writing. I've always like written creatively and even academically. I love doing research and everything. AP English in high school, got the award for that. Like just always loved writing. And I felt like this, I had never heard, I, I never knew that this was even rare. And so I thought it was perfect because it's something I can do from home. If I'm freelancing, then I can choose my own hours. I can spend time with my kids, but at the same time, make money and make a career out of it. So that's how I got into copywriting. Wow.
1: That's amazing. <laughs> I mean, I feel like so many of us have so many twisting, turning paths that wind, you know, that, that put us on this path and all of like the detours or, you know, the, and, and something I want to rewind back to is that you said that you were in a master's degree program, you know, continuing, continuing your education from your bachelor's degree And it's very hard to walk away after you've put so much momentum and work into one field. And I know I felt like that when I left my career to pursue copywriting. It was like, well, now I'm starting from the bottom again after I had just put years into the sales career and worked so hard and put in all the education and the seminars and the courses. So I just want to, I guess, emphasize for everyone listening is like, if you feel that you're being called toward this It's okay if you've invested years and years of your life into a different path and all of a sudden you need to make that change to do something that's more true to you.
0: That's so true. And the thing is though, you can use all of your experience and you can use that in your career. You can build on that and you have certain knowledge and certain experiences that no one else would have because of your path that you take.
1: Yes, so, okay. I
0: feel like it's, it's rare for people to just jump into copywriting right away.
1: Yes. I'm, I'm so glad you said that too, because so many times, th- cause I was really suffering in my last job of feeling lost and feeling like I wasn't doing something that I was meant to be doing and not pursuing my passions. And it was such a struggle for so many years mentally. And then now as a copywriter, as I use those skills, I didn't realize I was being honed and prepared all those years to be doing what I'm doing now. So it's just so like beautiful in that sense of like, oh, all that struggle. I didn't realize at the time why that was happening to me, but I am so taking advantage of it and transmuting it into what I'm doing now.
0: I mean, you have so much wisdom that even I'm gleaning from your course too about your your sales background. You really can get into the mind of the client and see like, what are they looking for? What are their pain points? And it really helps even with, cold pitching to, to know what they want from us. 100%. Tell me about the
1: spiritual warfare thing. I'm interested in hearing about that and like what it is and how, how it impacts our lives.
0: Sure. So I would say everyone's life, whether you believe in God or not, you are entrenched in spiritual warfare because this, this whole world, this whole life is really about truth versus lies light versus darkness. So I know people talk about like having my truth and truth is subjective. It's really not. There's, there's truth. There's an absolute truth and God is truth. So are we going to err on the side of truth? Are we going to align with God or are we going to believe lies? So the Bible talks about how um, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. Like our enemies are not people it's spirits principalities powers and the heavenly places. And so if you're not following God there's only one other there's only one other option you're either with God or you're against him. And so God is real and the devil is real. And the reason we see so much evil in the world is because of the devil is because of Satan. So when humanity fell when we disobeyed God at the beginning that allowed the devil to well, allowed sin to enter the world and the way that happened was because the devil lied to humanity. The devil lied to Eve. And so he's still lying today. He's the father of lies. All he speaks is lies. So there's Satan, but there's also, there's demons, there's spirits and not just demons, but there are kind of levels of principalities. And so God is spirit, but there's also other types of spirits and humans. We have spirit, soul, and body. So the the natural mind. I'm hope hoping I'm not getting too far into the weeds here, but I'm into it. I'm so interested in this, and I know <laughs>
1: there's someone out there who is too.
0: <laughs> oh yeah. So we have our natural minds, right? This is we have our five senses. We can see, we can touch, we can taste, all those things. But that's not all there is. And if you really talk to anybody, you'll see that a lot of people have experiences that are supernatural, that are above the natural. And there's a reason for that because there is a supernatural realm. There is a spiritual realm that you can't grasp palpably, but it's there. I would say it's even more real than what we're experiencing now. And in the past, one thing I always love to do was listen to near-death experience testimonies. And you'll see a lot of them are very, very similar. And what they'll describe is that the colors, if they go to heaven, they'll say that the colors are very vibrant Everything is just like much more real. And that's, we can't see that now, but it's real. So anyway, the spiritual warfare aspect of it is we all have a choice. We have a choice to follow God and to get into right standing with him through Jesus. And that's really the only way to get into right standing with him. It's the only way to be saved is if we confess with our mouth and believe in our heart that Jesus is Lord, then we will be saved. And it's really easy to be saved, just confess and believe. But the Bible talks about how the devil is like a roaring lion and he's prowling around seeking someone to devour. So, if you're not under God's protection, if you're not under his will for your life, then unfortunately that's an open door for the enemy for Satan to come and really mess with you. He messes with you in so many different ways. I mean, the first thing he does is lie to you from the day you're born, he tells you that you're worthless, you don't mean anything, you're not loved your life has no purpose, and that you're just bound to be stuck forever, you're bound to be depressed, you're stupid, you're ugly, blah, 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 all the lies that we hear. And you think that you're telling yourself that growing up, right? Like, oh, I'm just so hard on myself. And I always hear these negative voices, negative thoughts. No, it's not you. It's not you. It's literally the devil lying to you through demons. They they whisper. The whole time, though, and what I found is that the devil tends to be very loud. Like he's very in your face. I don't know if you've noticed this in your life, but a lot of times you'll see patterns happening in your life. So for instance, maybe when you're little, your dad or a relative or someone might tell you you're stupid, you're stupid. You're never going to be smart, never going to amount to anything. And then throughout your life, people keep telling you that because that's a lie that the enemy plants in your life. And he keeps bringing people to tell you that over and over again, so you never reach your destiny and you never become who God created you to be. Or if you think back into your family's past, let's say your mom or your dad was an alcoholic, and then you just somehow you stumble into it. Then when you raise your kids, they grow up and they stumble into it. There's something called generational curses. So things that are brought down through the family line, through the bl- your bloodline, that if they're never broken... By the power and blood of Jesus, then they're never going to break. And so spiritual warfare, in essence, is just allowing Jesus to have the victory in your life because he already got the victory when he died on the cross and his power and his blood dispelled and disarmed the rulers of darkness, as the Bible says, it disarmed the rulers of darkness. So yes, the world, there's still darkness in the world. But once you come into Jesus, that darkness no longer has power over you. So when my husband and I work with people who have gone through trauma, like I have gone through very deep, deep trauma, what we're doing is we're just allowing Jesus to come and heal those parts of us, those wounded, deep, hurting parts of us that we thought were so damaged that there's no coming out of it. We allow him to heal us. And he's very real, very, very real. So a lot of times we'll ask the Holy spirit to come in and people will literally, they'll see Jesus in the memories of what the traumatic things that happened to them. And only he's very creative and, and the way people get healing and freedom. It's, it's not one size fits all. He's very real. And he walks with people today. The Bible says that he came to heal the brokenhearted. It's so true. Thanks for explaining that in such
1: detail. I think. it's important to get out because as you were talking about generational curses and kind of like demons that are, you know, responsible for a lot of the negative thoughts and insecurities and stuff. Like I resonate very deeply with that because there is so much generational trauma and curses in terms of like mental health in my family specifically. And I have been fighting depression since I was like eight years old. And it's the more I learn about it. And as I take every intervention step that they prescribed from a scientific basis, you know, the diet, the exercise, the medications, the therapy, the reframing of the positive thoughts, I finally got to this point where I'm like, is there chance that there's something much bigger going on? Because even my therapist, who's not a Christian and has no, she's atheist, completely not spiritual. She even said to me, she's like, is there a chance that there's nothing you can do and that this is beyond you and that this is out of your control and that you've done everything that you possibly can? And I'm like, yeah, that, that is a hundred percent possible. And I think it's because there's something outside that again she wasn't meaning it that way but there's a bigger picture going on it's it's that what you said it's they're not flesh and blood it's not something physical we're dealing with it is spiritual and even with the shootings and what happened in Tennessee right every time a tragedy happens like that people are like what's the solution? And they either go to guns or they go to mental health or they go to all these political issues. And I say this to my boyfriend, cause we have these discussions. I'm like, no one acknowledges the fact that there is pure evil walking this earth. It's an evil force yes. that takes these people over and makes them do it. And and no so one true. wants to acknowledge that though.
0: I know it's so true. I mean, if you look at pictures of people who do these heinous acts look at their eyes you'll see it if you look in their eyes you'll see emptiness right and so a lot of the ways people you know people like to get in the minds criminal minds right we love to watch shows like that what makes a person tick what okay firstly go back to their childhood no really nobody who's who's doing these acts has a good healthy childhood there's always trauma in the back and trauma is a huge open door for the enemy to come in. And so there's a certain point where you dissociate so much that you allow these evil forces to enter you and kind of take over. But Christina, I did want to share a story if that's, you can totally edit this out if you want, but you were talking about depression and I just wanted to share my story a little bit with that. I would love that. Okay, great. So yeah, growing up, I just, I was always consumed with so much pain, so much fear. I had no idea where this was coming from. I, every night I had horrific nightmares where I was literally being dragged out of my body. I was being tortured. I was being sexually abused by these weird entities, by demons, just being so terrorized. And I could feel everything, even as a little girl. So I I would always tell my grandma, like, I don't want to go to sleep. They're going to try to kill me. I was Someone was always trying to kill me when I would go to sleep. And, you know, but my family thought like, oh, that's just like little girl imagination. But no, it was horrific. And it went even into the daytime, it seeped into this, I had this fear of man that was so strong. And so growing up, yeah, it was really hard. Like I had this inner world, so many things were going on. I would see demons crawling up and down my walls. Even when I was awake, I was in a lot of even sexual bondage. So even I remember at four years old, I was addicted to pornography, and masturbation. And I thought that was my fault. I felt so dirty. I already knew Jesus at that age. So I just knew he didn't want me to be doing that. But I had the thought process that he was punishing me by sending me these demons to torment me at night. And so I I always told God, like, I want to be good for you. I want to be good, but I don't know how. I just don't know. So even though I, I did believe in Jesus and I was a Christian from a very young age, there was still this darkness that consumed me. It consumed my mind. It would take over. I had so many addictions. I, yeah, there was just so much darkness in my mind. I would always see dark images and visions and stuff like that. And so the spiritual realm was always very real to me, but what was confusing was why was I submerged in both light and dark at the same time? Like, you know, people say like, if you become a Christian, then your life is just going (laughs) to fast track and be, good, right? So I didn't understand why was I in so much bondage. I felt like there were literal chains on my hands and feet. So when I got into high school, things just got progressively worse. What was hard was I always had to hide it from everybody. I had to hide it from my parents and I was always hiding just so many internal things going on. And it got to the point that I became severely depressed. And I also had to try to hide that because I was always a straight A student always did really well in school. And I had to, I felt like I had to, because my purpose was tied into that. And my parents would only be proud of me if I did really well in school. But I did develop severe depression when my sister, who's a year older than me, she went off to college and I was stuck at home with my parents and with my grandma who lived with us. And at the time, I didn't know why that was such a bad thing. And so, but being home alone with them, being just overwhelmed with schoolwork and overwhelmed with the darkness that I couldn't explain. I fell into really, really bad suicidal thoughts, depression. I would even sleep on my floor a lot of the time because I felt like I wasn't deserving of a bed. So when I would take my showers, that's when I would let everything out. And so I would just cry literally for hours. And just like these screams would come out of me, these groans, this pain that was so deep in my heart. And I'd always ask God like, where is this coming from? Is it just from the nightmares? Like I'm not understanding, but yeah, I I felt like I was, all my energy had left me. I had no more dopamine. My mom, she took me to several therapists who really only made things worse, but I was at a point where like, I need help. So my mom took me to a psychiatrist and that psychiatrist told me that she wanted to medicate me, put me on certain medications. And I was all for it. I was like, you know what? I want to, I don't want to feel anything anymore. I just want to be numb. But as I was thinking that I heard God's voice so clearly tell me, don't take any medicine. I'm going to heal you. Like, oh, no, like I, I want to, but then I realized like, if he's telling me that he's going to heal me he's going to heal me, I didn't know how that would happen. But from that point on something radical happened where I, I just prayed God, I don't know if you still give the gift of tongues today because I read about in the Bible. The gift of tongues is where the Holy Spirit descended on believers and they spoke in other languages. And some of the languages were human languages and some were angelic. And so for a few months, I prayed that. I'm like, Lord, I want that. And I was just in high school at this time. So I'm praying this. My church isn't teaching it, but I had faith that if he gave that gift before, why wouldn't he give it again? And so one day I was just sitting at home in my parents' office, and I felt God say, "To breathe in, and when I breathe out, the Holy Spirit was going to speak through me because this the Spirit is breath. It's pneuma. It's breath. So when I I breathed out, I did. I began to pray in another language that I had no idea what it was. It was an angelic language, and in my head, so clearly, I heard three times, "You are clean. You are clean. You are clean." And I knew that wasn't my voice because I never told myself I was clean. I always thought I was so dirty. And I knew it wasn't the voice of the devil because he, he always told me I was super dirty. So I knew it was God. But the reason I'm sharing that is because when you allow the Holy Spirit to pray through you, he prays God's perfect will. So I didn't know that I was supposed to be praying for something specifically that only he knew to be praying for. So what happened was after that point, my life began unraveling, like memories began unraveling very, very quickly. And I believe it was because he was praying these certain things through me. So before I I went and I joined college, God kept giving me pictures of a butterfly, butterfly. Like they were, they kept following me around everywhere. He told me that something was going to happen when I went to college and it was going to be painful. Like, you know, when a butterfly goes through metamorphosis, it was going to be messy and painful But when I get to the other side, it was going to be something beautiful. And he said that I will be with you the whole time. So I'll try to make the story short. But yeah, when I I got to college, there was one point where things got so bad that I told God, I'm going to kill myself tonight if you don't do something. And nobody knew I was suffering. I mean, if you asked anybody, they'd be like, oh, no, she was so sweet. And, you know, I'd be considered like the, the goody two shoes, the straight A student. So nobody could see it. But there was one point where I told God, like, this is it. I can't handle it anymore. This darkness that consumes me, this pain. Uh, so I ended up, that night happened to be the night where I had a, a meeting with this prayer group I was a part of. I went to a Christian college, but it was more evangelical. So I found a group on campus that was more charismatic and more into like the spiritual things like I was. And so that night there was a late night prayer meeting and I told I I just felt like I needed to be there. And so I literally had to muster up energy to get out of bed and to walk across campus because I had such severe social anxiety and just anxiety in general. it was very hard for me to just walk, walk in front of people, but I did it. And I went there and that night, the person who was speaking happened to be speak people how to pray for healing, how to pray for physical healing. And that's something I was very familiar with. I prayed for people and I saw people get healed of so many things. God would tell me like what the person is struggling with. If it was a headache, if it was back pain and I would pray for them and they would get healed. So that wasn't new to me. But I am I just asked God like, well, why are you healing people? But like physically, but you can't heal my mind. Like I'm just so tormented. But at the end of the meeting, the person who was teaching, he He's he called up anybody who had anxiety. And so I ended up going to the front, even though I knew what I had was more than just anxiety. I guess that's what the therapist would call it or diagnose it as was anxiety, but I knew it was like so much deeper than that. I just didn't know exactly like what was going on. So I went up there for prayer. A group of girls they banded around me and started praying for me, and I was just crying and everything. And then the the person who had taught, he was it was midnight at this point. And so he was about to leave and he said bye to the people in our group. And I don't know why, but I just blurted out, well, what about nightmares? And then he looked at me and he's like, well, how long have you had the nightmares? And I said, as long as I can remember, since I was very, very little. So he came up to me, he asked if he could put his hand on my arm and I said, sure. And he just went like this. And he said, Jesus, comfort that little girl, like meaning comfort me as when I was a little girl. And when he said that, I, everything went black. I flew backwards, literally in my body. I flew, I had no control of my body. My eyes rolled to the back of my head and I started screaming and screaming and demons started screaming through me and they started talking through me and I was on the floor. Like some people knew what to do. Some people didn't, but While all this was happening, I was so happy and so relieved because I finally realized like everything that was happening in my life, everything that was wrong in my life wasn't because of me. It was something inside of me. It was like, it was darkness inside of me. And I realized, I don't know how I never put the pieces together, that there are literally demons that were tormenting my mind. And so as I'm on the floor and I'm screaming and the demons are screaming, the person who had prayed for me, he's just began to call out spirit of lust, spirit of death, like all these spirits that were like so prevalent in my life. And I thought that was like the end of it. Like, oh, I was going to be delivered. But really, it was just the beginning of a very long journey. So for several years, I would go to prayer ministers and deliverance ministers and try to find freedom. And every time I would get prayer, a few things would happen one, demons would start speaking through me. You could hear them through my voice. They would speak in a demonic language, or they would speak in English and just mock me, or they would say just heinous things. And at the same time, I would begin to cry like a little girl, cry like a baby. I would begin to scream things like, help, they're hurting me, they're hurting me, they're raping me, help me. But my voice would turn into like a little girl. And so it was so confusing I was happy that I knew like, okay, what was plaguing me, but I didn't know the cause of it. I didn't know how the demons entered me. I didn't know why I was talking like a little girl and saying these things. And so it wasn't until years later that I met with a certain person, a certain minister, that the memories of what happened to me started to come back. So I started working with this minister and I think she knew what happened to me because she's worked with other people who had similar experiences, but she didn't tell me, she kind of let God lead the sessions. And so at one point, so sorry, at, at this time, I had already been working with, with Christian ministers for several years. So I knew what was happening with the little girl situation was that there were parts of me that were so traumatized as a little girl that they stopped growing. So I guess in the natural world, they would call this, they used to call it multiple personality disorder, but now it's called dissociative identity disorder. But yeah, I don't believe it's a disorder um, because when something so traumatic happens to you, the only way you're able to survive is if a part of you splits off from the rest of you so that you don't have to cope with that. Like that's the way you cope. You don't have to have it at the forefront of your mind. And I believe that God is the one that has put that into place so that you can survive tremendous evil. But when you're ready for it, he, he brings everything back together to integrate you again and to heal you again. And so I knew that something must have happened to me when I was little because I had a lot of these, I call them parts, a lot of these parts. Some people call them insiders, but I had a lot of these parts that would come up that were different ages. So a lot of them were baby ages that couldn't even talk. They were pre-verbal and they would just scream and I would like suck my thumb. And I mean, this wouldn't happen randomly It would happen like when I'm, I'm, either worshiping or getting prayer or someone's ministering to me. So it wouldn't like, wouldn't happen if I'm out in public, but there was like pre-verbal age. There was one age. It was a a four-year-old insider that would do most of the talking. And she would describe this whole world that she's seeing inside is full of demons. They're, they're hurting me. One thing that's always been prevalent in my life are Marine spirits or Marine kingdom spirits. And those are spirits, like if you go to Africa is kind of a big thing there. There are sexual spirits or sexual demons in the Marine kingdom where these, let's say if you go to Africa, you can go to a witch or a warlock and they can conjure up these spirits from the deep, from the water. And they say that, oh, it'll help you find love or, but the thing is in the kingdom of darkness, nothing is ever free. You always pay a price for it, right? So you, there's always a trade, always an exchange with Jesus, he gives us, he gives us his grace freely. He gives us the gift of salvation freely, but with the kingdom of darkness, that's not how it works. You always trade. So this is how, this is how people in the occult get lied to. They, they, people in the occult or a new age or whatever it may be, they can get certain power because their the spiritual realm is real, right? And, and spirits are real. So you are, You can gain power, but you're always exchanging something. You're always giving something back. So, or it might be that, let's say you accept some power from crystals or whatever it may be. There are demons attached to those crystals that once you accept them and once you try to use the crystals for their power, the demons can then enter you or they can affect your life. And they do because you've given them permission. Um, So yeah, if you think about like going back to the garden where Adam and Eve were, the devil couldn't just do whatever he wanted. He needed humanity's permission. And so God has given us a special place, a special authority. We have, a, we at the beginning, we had authority over everything. And the way that the devil took it from us, he couldn't just steal it. We had to give it to him. We had to give it over to him. So once we believed his lies and, and Adam and Eve disobeyed God, that's when we literally handed the keys over to him. So when Jesus came, what he did was he took the key, he took all the authority back from the devil and now he's given it to believers. So anyway, going back, I don't remember where I was now. I got well, off track.
1: So you, you had an experience where they were kind of like casting out demons essentially. And it's so funny you say that. Cause I just had, they just, the algorithm just served me a YouTube video on deliverance and I had never heard that. I was raised Roman Catholic. And then I was heavily into new age spirituality, like throughout my twenties. And then I had an experience, which we can talk about in a little bit that kind of brought me back to Christianity, but I had never heard of this term deliverance before. So, so you're saying that you had that experience and you kind of cast something out. And I think you were getting to the point where it unlocked a memory, oh, right. like That's a repressed true. memory. And I and I have heard of a lot of a lot of people experiencing that. So I'm interested to hear oh, yeah. what it unlocked for you.
0: Yeah. So definitely I I knew that I had all these part, these younger parts inside. So one day I thought, you know what? I'm because a lot of them aren't talking, but I thought, what if I let them draw? Like what if I just let them draw through me? And so I got a crayon and I got a piece of paper and And I just told them like, whoever wants to draw, you can draw and tell me what you're seeing or show me what you're seeing. And so I didn't know like what was going to come out on the paper. I just began to draw. And what came out was what sparked my memory. So when I looked at the paper, it was my old room from when I was a baby. I was in the crib. I drew my, my maternal grandpa on one side of the crib, there was a large entity or demon looking thing on the other side of the crib. And there were four women at, on the wall or by the wall. They had black robes on with the hoods and they were reading a book and there was like Latin writing on the book. I saw blood, feces and vomit everywhere in the room. I could, I even like smelled it when I was drawing it. And I, my grandpa was talking to this demon. And so then when I do that, I had this memory and I, and I was in the crib as a baby. So I had this memory where my grandpa, he was talking to this entity that was in the room and he said, what can I do to get the most power? And he's the, the entity said, you have to kill her you, meaning me, you have to kill her. And he said, well, I'm not going to do that. What else can I do? And he said, well, you have to rape her. And so that, that memory it was like the first in a series of like hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of memories of from when I was little. So basically the gist of it is that I'm a survivor of satanic ritual abuse. And this is something that is passed on through the generations. Very secretive. The occult is very, very secretive. So people who are satanist or who are very high level Luciferians, you'll never know it because they're very high functioning members of society. Both of my parents are physicians. So my dad is a trauma surgeon general and vascular surgeon. He has three specialties. And then my mom does internal medicine. Very well to do family. You would never know it. Like growing up, you know, everyone's just like, oh, you have the best family, you know, very, a lot of friends in like high places or whatever. But behind closed doors, how a lot of like, politicians get power, how definitely celebrities and people in Hollywood get power is that they have trade-offs with the kingdom of darkness. And so they have to do certain things in order to have certain power in this life and to have certain status. And I'm not saying like everyone who's successful has to go through this, but definitely like the high, high level people really do. So for me, my mom's side of the family is from Cuba. My dad's side is from Lebanon. And so the Satanism comes from my Cuban side. So not only is it satanic worship, but there was also Santeria involved, voodoo. And then my great, and then, sorry, my grandfather was a 33rd degree Freemason. So Freemasonry is very ingrained with ritual abuse. And unfortunately, it still goes on today. Many kids, many babies are either killed as sacrifices or they're used as living sacrifices, like I was for torture, for abuse. And the reason why this works is because when you take away someone's innocence, for some reason in the spiritual realm, like that gives you power. So if you think about Jesus, he was the ultimate innocence, like he did nothing wrong. And so there's so much power in his death because he was innocent. And so the kingdom of darkness uses that spiritual principle, uses that spiritual law, because there's such a thing as spiritual laws. And when he robs someone of their innocence, that produces some sort of spiritual power. And so the more they can rob you, like for me, it was sexual abuse. It was torture. I mean, heinous, like horrible, horrible things like, and, and, and a lot of things related to death. There was even a ritual where I was drowned in the bathtub and then brought back to life by my grandpa who performed CPR on me. But what that was, it was really a mockery of baptism. It was like a false type of baptism and then a false resurrection. And so when he gave me CPR, because remember the spirit is breath, he breathed in demons into me. And so whatever he had inside, he was transferring to me. And I know this sounds weird and this sounds like so out there, but it's, it's very true. And it happened to me and it happens to so many other people. So anyway, that was like my childhood that I did not remember. And like when I was putting all these puzzle pieces together and God was helping me remember all these memories, everything just kind of fell into place and made sense. And it was so hard to, for other memories to come back up because I would relive them I would physically feel things in my body because I had DID or just like the parts inside of me. They were, they're stuck in that time, in that place. And so I would feel physically feel what they were going through and the pain of it. And just to, to know that your family could do this to you as a baby was horrific. And so I don't think my dad knew about it. He worked a lot in the hospital, especially at night. So that's when the rituals would take place. But my mom, she is also a victim. So her parents did the same thing to her. So she's to the point where they can control her. And I, I think she was a part of my abuse. She was, but I don't think she remembers because she dissociated so badly that she has no memory of it. But she does have a lot of symptoms that would, that the satanic ritual abuse would explain. And so one last piece to it was I went through MK Ultra Conditioning or Mind Control, which you can read about how the CIA used this in Project Paperclip in World War II. But the reason they they split your personality, they split you is so that they can control you. So all my life I felt very controlled and there was a reason for that. But yeah, Jesus has been walking me through it. I still, I still am on the journey to complete freedom. But God has led me to hundreds, hundreds of other survivors who have gone through the same things, very similar, some even worse than me. And I've been able to help people who may be at the beginning of their journey and help bring them along. Wow. I'm
1: so sorry that you went through that, but it's also so incredible to me that you're so eloquent and well-spoken and can like talk about those experiences and such like like I said, an eloquent way because they didn't win. Like what you've been through, you presumably should be an absolute mess and unable to even speak, let alone become the successful person who's pursuing your goals and able to communicate and then use what was use what happened to you to help other people and try to guide them through that too. Also, I do feel like we're definitely connected for a reason, and you were drawn to me probably for a reason because it's so interesting. Like, there's so much dark shit going on, right? Like what you're talking about, and a lot of people are probably like, "Oh my god, this is so out there!" And like, oh it my, god. <laughs> it's but but I, I will say this, and I just had this experience on during Easter during a mass. I went to a mass with family, and it was about the resurrection and all this stuff. And the people who I went to the church with were like, that was like really dark. Like, why does it have to be all about, you know, sinners and being forgiven and all this stuff. Right. And and I'm with people who aren't really Christian, but you know, people go through the motions for the, for the really? holidays. Yeah. And I said, because life is this dark, we really are all pretty fucked up. There's a lot of dark stuff happening and I think a lot of people live in this like state of denial that these things are happening and it's like sometimes I feel like I'm living in a separate world from everyone because people want to just I guess numb out or you know ignore it and pretend it doesn't happen
0: right it's so much easier to pretend it doesn't exist or to boil it down to oh it's just this person has mental health issues or this but no but that's just one person what about everybody else? Like there's think about the the state of the world the reality of the world there's a bigger picture and I think people just don't want to think about that because it scares them
1: well yeah and what's also so crazy about like the occult and the new age aspect of it is that like and I don't want to like exclude anyone or make anyone feel offended by what I'm saying because there's so many amazing people that are in this community that love crystals and tarot and all that stuff but I was very, very deep into that world because of what I mentioned before, seeking a solution, seeking healing, seeking something that would make me whole and heal me. So I went and became a certified yoga instructor. I had all the crystals. I read every new age spirituality book. I was a meditator for like every single day for over a year to try to reduce my stress. And I had a near death experience, not that I actually died. I did not actually die and come back to life, but I had a near drowning incident where I was like submerged underwater, unable to escape. And I kind of resigned to the fact that I was going to die in that moment. And I had my life flash before my eyes. And even though I was able to escape and, 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 I was fine. I survived. Everything switched for me after that, where uh, I just had a new lease on life. And one of the things that occurred was me taking an entire bookshelf of these new age spirituality books that I had spent years collecting and getting as gifts, astrology, all this stuff, crystals, a Buddha statue. And I literally was like, I need it out. I got to get it out. And I just accepted that the path of Christianity and like Jesus and believing that Jesus really is the only way that all of a sudden became really true for me. So Mm -hmm. it's just so interesting though, now, because everything seems to be, saturated with the new age spirituality. And it's like the seemingly innocent stuff, like manifestation and meditation. And the problem with that stuff is that people don't get into it thinking there's a religious aspect of it. I know I didn't, I went and got a yoga certification because I thought it was more of an athletic and a mindset and a stress reduction, but then you have to learn about the Vedas and their religious texts. And I literally was there and I'm like, wait, this is just like, Christianity or, or Catholicism where we're learning texts like ancient texts. So this is a religion. This isn't just a fun Lululemon situation. This is a religion. So it's so insidious. I'm not saying the new age is bad necessarily, but I do think it has insidiously made its way into the culture in a sense where we don't even realize like oh, crystals. Yeah. So what's wrong with crystals? But it, it's, they are spiritual devices and people think it's more progressive than Christianity and, oh, Christianity so judgmental. And like, I, I, I struggle with a lot of the condemnation and closed-mindedness that is associated with Catholicism and Christianity. So I get it for anyone who's listening and they're like, I can't with the condemnation. I get it but just know that the crystals and the manifestation has its own roots into something spiritual and religious too. Don't think this is an agnostic pursuit.
0: No, definitely. And I, I totally understand why people go in that direction. I mean, we're all of us, we're seeking something greater than ourselves. And because most of us, we deal with so much like pain And so much just worry and stress and anxiety. We want something that we feel that even like we can control, right? And so we feel like we can control certain things that happen in our life if we use these crystals or if we, and I think when most people start pursuing these things, they're actually, they're in a way they're pursuing God. And so like even the Bible says, if you seek me, you will find me if you seek me with all your heart. And so they're seeking, I think they're just seeking in the wrong avenue. And I totally understand like why people would want to do that. But the thing is that, yeah, it's not just, and you're not just relying on yourself. You're relying on these spiritual forces and they're lying to you. They're they're masquerading as, like the Bible says, you're, the, the devil masquerades as an angel of light. So they're masquerading as light and as something good. But if you really get into it, It's not, it's, it's something that's taking you away from God. It's taking you away. And it's, I don't know if you talk to people who are, who are really into yoga and like all the things we were mentioning, like just really dig deep into like, are you fulfilled? Don't you think there's something more? Are you at peace? And so really there is perfect peace. And that comes from Jesus and that comes from living in his will for you. And so the thing is though, that's hard is that I think the church in the West doesn't do a good job at all of like helping people understand the fullness of what you can have as in your life as a believer or in your life as someone who follows Jesus, because it's not just going through the motions and going to church and not sinning. And that's not even, that's not, that's not the gospel. The gospel is Jesus came, he died for you so that Your sins would be totally forgiven. You don't even have to worry about them anymore. You're no longer a sinner. If you're under the blood of Jesus, you're no longer a sinner. That's usually where the church stops. Like, okay, yeah, sin. And that's like all they talk about, which is very important. Holiness is very important, but there's so much more there. You, you can't like, even I walk in the supernatural. I see so many miracles on a daily basis because I understand that Jesus didn't just die so we can get to heaven. He came to bring heaven here on earth. And so he's given us the power to do so many things to do so many creative miracles. I've seen people get healed. God will speak to me about what certain people are going through. And when I tell them like, are are you going through this? Like, yeah, how did you know that it's because God knows and he wants to have a relationship with each and every one of us. I've cast demons out of people, I've hundreds of demons cast out of myself and just so many things where it's like, you'd never have to be bored. Like you really don't. And if you're craving that spirituality aspect, if you're craving that it's because, you know, there's something more, there is something more and you can totally walk in that and you can see so many amazing things, but you can be on the right side. You can be on the side of light if you want to. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I want to, I like what you said that there are like spiritual
1: gifts and occurrences that happened within Christianity and following Christ because people just think about manifestation or like doing psychedelics and all of these different things that have more of the, cause people will always say, I'm not religious, I'm spiritual. And that usually means that they're practicing some type of new age spirituality, whether they, you know, know it or not. And I like what you said before too about just ask yourself if you're fulfilled, because I think that was the, one of the straws that broke the camel's back for me is like, after so many attempts and going down so many rabbit holes within new age spirituality, you realize that you are never truly fulfilled. It's like Chinese food, you eat, you're full. And then an hour later, you're hungry again. (laughs) because it's a hamster wheel. And I feel this way also a little bit about personal development. Mm-hmm. And I like to talk about mindset because we're self-employed and we're we, we are, you know entrepreneurs. So it's so important to have the right mindset, but I'm someone who's been through a lot of seminars and personal development stuff as well. It starts to feel like a hamster wheel. And mm-hmm. one of the things, one of the last things I had done before accepting Christ was going to a new age medium who specialized in astrology and divination. Mm -hmm. And I drove from where I live in New Jersey to Brooklyn. And I believe this woman is truly a a talented, spiritually gifted, good person. Mm -hmm. And I want to underscore that those powers are real because the things that this astrologer told me, and she did the whole chart reading and all this stuff. She told me things about my family and my family dynamics. And a lot of the dysfunction that dysfunction in my life and my relationship, she like spot on to the point where I called my mom and she was like, who is the biggest non-believer of anything. She was like, Oh my God, that is really scary that she knew that. So those things are real. But then I, now, when I look back at that, I think, but was I supposed to know certain things that she said? What was I supposed to be receiving those messages just because somebody has the gift to really tell you certain things? Is it, is it God telling you that, or is it demons telling you that, you know, then you get into the whole psychic medium world, which I don't know how you feel about that, but
0: yeah, so the Bible does talk about that about consulting mediums and spiritists and stuff. The reason that that woman knew about your family and all that stuff was because she there was a source telling her. And so she was consulting demons. And I'm sure there there are demons that hang around all of our families because they have specific assignments to to destroy us or to bring certain things into our lives, right? And so the demons know because they're, they're around us. So those demons can interact. She knows how to hear from the spirits. Right. And so it's kind of like you turn into a certain frequency on your radio. You can tune in with a certain level of spirituality. You can tune in and you can hear demons or for me, it was kind of forced on me to be able to hear them, but I'm sure she doesn't know. Like a lot of people don't know that what they're hearing from are spirits of darkness. Now there's a Holy Spirit and that's the spirit of Jesus. And whenever he speaks a word, it's going to be full of promise. It's going to be full of hope. It's going to encourage you. It's going to just build you up. And even if it's something difficult, like for instance, like God speaks to me about other people, like what other people might might be going through. He doesn't just say like, oh, this is what you're going through. Like he always brings encouragement of how he's going to help you. He's going to get you through it. And he always speaks to your destiny. Like he, like for me, I have gotten 20 prophecies from, from random people who just come up to me and say that God has made me to to sing and to worship. And when I sing, chains will fall off of people. Like demons will leave people. And there's something powerful in singing. And so that I've gotten that word. And so it's, but I'm not there yet. Like I haven't, I haven't seen that fulfilled yet, but I know that that's my destiny. Like that's what God has for me. And so when God speaks a word to you, it's going, you'll, you'll know it's from him. Uh, One, if it like aligns with the Bible, but two, if it, if it refreshes you, if it brings life to your soul.
1: Yeah. Oh, I have one question though about your story were you raised in any specific like were your parents outwardly any religion or were were they yeah, like
0: they were out, outwardly Christians they okay. were yeah I would say it's hard because I think well I know my mom has DID as well and now she doesn't know that so there were I feel parts of her that were seeking after God and there was like she was seeking after God but there were certain. Parts of her that like when she would switch into another personality that she and my grandma practiced witchcraft. And so that's what was keeping me in so much bondage. And that's why I was so conf- like when I tell people today, they don't believe me because they only see one personality of my grandma and my mom and they don't understand how that could be possible. Like, sometimes I'm like, I don't know how it could be possible, but it's because they're switching personalities and I feel like even narcissists do that too. I was just going to say that it, it, I don't
1: know about your specific situation, but it's classic narcissism yeah. to present something so yeah. different to the world than what's really going on.
0: Oh yeah, definitely. And that narcissism is rooted in what's called a Jezebel spirit. And so they kind of all have similar demons. That's why all narcissists kind of act the same. It's not like they take a course to, oh, how to become a narcissist. It's there's yeah. a certain entity that's rooted in that. And so that's why they they all have similar behaviors, similar patterns. And so, yeah, they, they would always talk about Jesus and it was just confusing, but they never really talked about like repentance or they they would like use the Bible to kind of control me a little bit or like honor your father and mother and that's what the occult does is they use scripture to control. But yeah. And then my dad was Catholic. There is a difference between Catholicism and just being a follower of Jesus. Catholicism is it's a different religion, I would say. There are a lot of true believers within Catholicism, but as a whole, like the organization, the it's I think I believe it's if you look in the history of it, it's rooted in a certain type of darkness. So Yeah. But I don't want to get too much into that. But if you, there are Catholics who do have true relationship with Jesus. Well, I, I think it's so
1: important that me asking you if you were raised a certain religion, because right now, like if you just take the temperature of our culture and where we are in this country, people, I mean, first of all, Christianity is dwindling by the numbers. The number one religion I just heard a survey is atheism. And we've, I think a lot of like the lost And a lot of the dysfunction and just pathlessness of people and how despair of everyone right now has to do because of this loss of religion or or at least a higher power belief, whatever you want to call it. And again, New Age spirituality is so popular, so I don't think it's doing what it purports to do. But I, I just wanted to emphasize that because you're somebody who probably had every reason to not want to become Christian and be like, no, that, cause so many people think that Christianity is toxic, that it's dogma, <laughs> that it is brainwashed, that it is homophobic, that it is X, Y, and Z. I, I, it's just, people think it's evil and you have every reason to think that it is, but you're, you are still a Christian. You do, you know, so I'm trying to just emphasize that because you didn't let that stop you.
0: Right. And I think the biggest reason is because I'm not focusing on Christianity. I'm focusing on Jesus and Jesus is very real. He's, he's alive. He is. And I've had so many experiences with God, even tangibly in my room. It was, I believe my sophomore year of high school, I was just sitting downstairs in my house, like not doing anything. And I felt what I can only describe as the Holy, like a download of the Holy spirit. I felt him come over me, like head Teeth extracted so I was on anesthesia but I felt that I had been taken to heaven and when I came back I thought I was going to explode from the amount of love that I felt and I knew I had been in heaven with Jesus and it's like he knew every part of me he knew every cell in my body and he loved me so much and it was just like radiating out and so my the surgeon who had just extracted my teeth He was Jewish, but I just kept telling him like, like Jesus loves you. Jesus loves. He loves your children. And I was like, kind of naming his children. I never met his children, and it was just so intense. So you have to know that Jesus is so loving. Like God is love, and He wants to have a relationship with you. He wants you to have eternal life, and not just have eternal life like once you die, but have it now. Have life of an abundant life. That's what Jesus came to give an abundant life. So if you feel that. You're stuck in depression, stuck in anxiety. You feel unfulfilled or like, what's my purpose in life? I promise you that God has that for you. Just seek him, ask for him, call out to Jesus. All who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. So yeah, I think there's just so much hope. He brings so much hope. And yeah, it is a very lost and dying world, but there is a solution. And so we can be God's hands and feet here if we want to. I love that. And I get a lot of really disturbing,
1: sad messages from people who want to pursue freelance copywriting, but they're in pretty dire situations, whether it's like a toxic marriage or they're a single mom or you know, they're on their last leg Or I get a lot of messages from Nigeria mm-hmm. um, saying that like certain things are outlawed, which I don't know enough about Nigeria and what's going on there to understand. But I just want anyone listening to this to hear your message of hope in that the the despair and the depression and all of the evil and the lies that you're hearing there, there is hope.
0: Yeah. Well, would you mind if I did a quick prayer, maybe for the, anyone who's watching, like any viewers? I would love that. Great. Okay. Yes, Lord, thank you so much that you, you are here with us. Thank you for giving us the opportunity to talk about this, to talk about you, and what you've done in my life and what you can do for others. So right now in the name of Jesus, I pray for anyone who's watching right now, anyone who's listening, that if you're stuck in despair, if you're stuck in hopelessness, that Lord, you have the answer, yet you came to give us life. And you promise to give us so much more than what we're experiencing right now. So I pray that anyone who's stuck in the clutches of the evil one, anyone who's stuck in darkness, that you would pull them out right now, that you would show people that you are real. I pray that your manifest presence would come into the room for anyone who's watching, that people will understand that you are real, Jesus, you are alive, and that they can see what you have done for us on the cross, and that we no longer have to live in sin, have to live in so much bondage, And pain and trauma. I pray for anyone who is going through hardship, anyone who's suffering right now, that Lord, you would provide their every need, that you would give them every blessing, Lord, and that they would see that you love them, that you care for them, that you have every one of our hairs numbered, Lord. So I pray blessings, prosperity. I pray salvation, joy, peace over everyone watching in Jesus' name.
1: Amen. Amen. That's really special. And I'm, I'm super psyched for everyone who's listening and all of the people that are going to listen to this episode and receive that. So I thank you. Tell me a little bit about your niche. and, And I actually do think what you shared is super relevant because I do think that there are people who are called to do this. And I think the success that you're seeing in the course is like a direct result of your your purpose and what you're bringing to this, because what you've done so far really has stood out to me. So tell me about the niche that you pursued as a freelancer.
0: Sure. So I actually ended up in B2B dental industry as my niche. So manufacturers, dental technology, software, things like that. And yeah, there's really no explanation other than I don't do anything. I don't make any like sudden moves without consulting God first. And so I just asked him, what would you like me to to niche down in? Because, you know, before taking a course, I thought I didn't realize like how important niching down really was. And so I was kind of just looking into copywriting in general. But your course really helped me to see like, no, it's very important to settle on something. And so, yeah, I just asked God and I just kept hearing dentistry 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 like over and over again and I just thought that was weird because I don't have a background in dentistry now speech pathology is somewhat related you know we did learn about oral structures oral mechanisms and I have clinical writing experience and things of that nature but it's it's not really dentistry and it's not definitely not b2b and so I was like okay I kind of kept that at the back of my mind and I, I did your process of like writing down things that we're good at, that we like. And I, I came up with other options, but I couldn't get dentistry out of my head. So I'm like, you know what? If God has telling me to do this, then I'm just going to go ahead and do it. And I felt him telling me that I'm going to have a lot of favor with it, that I'm not going to have to like struggle a lot with it if I like align with what he wants. And so that's what I pursued. And yeah, just, I, I did like some preliminary research on it and I felt it's not like my passion, passion where I felt like this is my ultimate calling, but I really enjoyed learning about it and researching it.
1: Yeah. I think that's so key that you chose something that was profitable and practical and that there is a need for. Yeah. Because look how passionate you are about, you know, your ministry and you, you have a very big purpose on this world, but you didn't try to really channel that directly into freelance copywriting. And I try to communicate that out to the world, but unfortunately it, it always comes across like, don't choose your passion. But I, I do believe if you go a little bit of a different route and look at what's needed versus what you may be feel like doing that you can see such quick results because you're serving
0: such a specific demographic exactly so i think that the more specific and you can get the more success you will have so you know if you think about okay you want to write about health you really need to hone it down into one type of client so for me it's businesses that sell to dentists and so when I looked up, when I was trying to look up other copywriters who might be doing the same, I literally only found one or two. And so I thought like, oh, well, maybe that's not a good thing because maybe there's not a need for it. But no, there are so many companies i found and a lot of startups that they want to sell to dentists and they want to sell their products. And so I'm like, this is perfect because there's really no other person who's specific in this one area. And so when I reach out to these clients, they're like, oh, what you write specifically for companies like ours? Like, of course, you know, we want to have you. So the the further, like the more detailed you can get, the better.
1: Yeah. That's so key. And that's the whole purpose of finding a specialty is so that that resonance happens where a client is like, wait, you do what I do. People really yeah. don't understand how powerful that is, but I would just say to anyone listening who is concerned about niching, like think of your exact problem, the problems you have in your life where you're like, I just don't think anyone else is going to understand this. And then all of a sudden you have someone coming to you being like, actually I cater to that exact, right. how excited would you be to just throw money at someone who specializes yeah. in that and has that information? Because even just thinking about it from a business perspective, the business saves so much time and energy by giving that work to you versus having to train another writer on their industry.
0: That's so true. Yeah, I think really the only reason I have been getting like no's from cold pitching has been because they don't need, right now they don't need content, but it's not. Actually, I was on a call the other day with a client and I asked him if he'd worked with freelancers before and what he liked and didn't like. And he said what he didn't like was they were general, generalized freelancers. And so when they would write, you could kind of tell that they didn't have the specific knowledge for the industry. And so I just wrote the first draft of my first project for them. And he just kept reiterating like how impressed he was. And I think it has to do with like me just focusing in on this one industry. I love that. And I can't emphasize that enough. You
1: know writing that's done by someone who has industry expertise from someone who does not. And it is very obvious. I'm saying this as from my own experience, because I just recently sent out an inquiry for writers. I got hundreds and hundreds of emails and there was probably two writers who actually had portfolio pieces that prove to me, oh, they know what they're talking about. You, any client can look at that writing and tell instantly. And I I don't say that to intimidate anyone because everyone is capable of that if they do the work to choose the niche. But a lot of people even struggle with that concept.
0: Right. When you reach out to clients, you want to make it as easy for them as possible to kind of envision you, how you would work for them. So presenting them a portfolio with you know, all these different topics and industries, they, they can't see like, how would that relate to the work that we would need? Exactly. Getting on calls with
1: clients. Now, tell me about that. So it sounds like you are taking calls with clients. Your cold pitches are being answered, which is amazing. Have you ever done that before? Is this
0: brand new to you? Brand, brand new. Had never, yeah, cold pitch before, had never gone on any discovery calls before. And the thing is like when I first was learning copywriting, it was just me, you know, studying the basics of it. But I was getting to the point where I was burning out because there's so much to learn. It's not just writing. It's like marketing. You have to learn the business side of things. You have to learn psychology. And so I was getting really burned out and thinking like, there's no way I can be able to do this because it's going to take me just too long. I have my kids. It's I'm just studying, studying, studying. I don't even know how to get my business on the ground you know, off the ground. So yeah, when I found your course, it was absolutely perfect because, you know, there's so many copywriting courses and they teach you how to write and all of that's good, but you can also learn that from watching YouTube videos and just looking stuff up, reading books and all that. So just like if you're a self-starter, self-learner and motivator, that's pretty easy to do. So I didn't really want a course that taught me how to write specifically. I needed someone to kind of like hold my hand and tell me step-by-step step, like, how do I actually get my business up and going? And so that's why your course has been perfect for me. I'm like so happy I found it. But the way you just describe step-by-step what to do, I felt very prepared going into these calls. So from creating my website to building my portfolio and optimizing my LinkedIn page, I felt like I had a good handle on things. Even if I don't know everything, I felt like prepared and I didn't feel embarrassed that I'm just starting out because I had everything I needed to in order to complete the calls. So yeah, I just followed your cold pitch templates and they've really been working really well for LinkedIn specifically. And I've been able to set up, I think within like six or seven days, it was like three calls. I was able to schedule and one of them was actually inbound, which was nice. But the key is to have like to be prepared with everything, to have everything done professionally, your website and to make sure you have good writing in your portfolio. Mm -hmm. But uh, be confident, like just act like you know what you're doing. And it's not fake it till you make it, but it's just kind of learn as you go. Because the way I'm thinking about it now is like when you land the first client, you're working on one or two projects at a time. You're not working on a million projects. So just learn how to do that one project learn how to do that one type of writing or whatever it may be and then go from there you don't know how to you don't need to know how to do everything just to get started And that's where I was getting stuck like I had tried to start in 2020 got burned out started trying to do it again and kept getting burned out but with like what you teach it's very actionable and like here's just go step by step so yeah on the calls just be confident refer back to your portfolio pieces if you've never done this, if you haven't been published before, and then come in with a list of really good questions so that it can kind of leverage you, right? So that you're the one asking them a lot of questions. And one important thing for me really has been the elevator pitch because all of them have asked me, how did you end up here in dentistry, you know, in the dental field? And it's so crafting my experiences to match, to match the niche really. Yeah. You did that so well. And I (laughs) wanted to that out
1: in the group because people think like, well, I don't have a background in this. I can't relate my background to what I'm doing. And you always can, if you know how to tell a story. So with you, it's like you had knowledge of what you said, oral structure, you know, you create your about page is such a good example of crafting a compelling story that tells the client how you got to where you are. And it, it doesn't include, well, I did 10 years of dentistry school and I did 10 years of professional copywriting. So hire me. It has nothing to do with that. It's that you have a knowledge and an interest and you've chosen a specific field and you learned how to package that into what we call the elevator pitch so that it instantly
0: resonates with the client. Exactly. Yeah. I, I was worried about it at first, like I even posted in the Slack community group like, oh, I feel like a fraud, like people are going to see right through me. But no, I I know even if there's something I don't understand within like what, if there's a project I'm working on, and there's a topic I don't understand, I know how to research, I know how to go through academic journals from my, you know, from my background as a speech therapist, and I know how to do that research and write about it. So yeah, just really think about Um, like what things you have learned with your background and how you can use that in copywriting in your niche.
1: Yeah. And I like what you said about all of the overwhelm and the information, because the problem with this field, it can be the wild West. There's so many people giving advice and it's not that the advice isn't true. It's that it's not geared toward a beginner because many people can't put themselves in the shoes of an absolute beginner so they start saying things like get referrals and you know make your own blog and start posting content and it's like yes those things can help some people and they are good long term goals but what's going to get a brand new writer who's never done this from point a yeah. to getting their first client and the answer isn't learning copywriting and right. doing this doing that it's create your portfolio create your website start pitching It it is that feeling of imposter syndrome because you are doing something and you are, you are doing something you've never done. You are marketing yourself, even though you've never done it, but you need to do that to get the opportunity and the client will be grateful. It's not about lying, deceiving. It's not about hyping. I can't tell you how many emails I got just recently saying like, I've never done this before, but I think I can do this for you. And it's like, don't tell me that. (laughs) reiterate your confidence in yourself and your enthusiasm. And I don't care if you're a beginner, I just want, yeah. you know, make me confident in you.
0: Yeah. I don't tell clients that I'm a beginner. I've never done this before. I mean, if they ask me like, who have you worked with before, I'll tell like, I won't lie to them, Right. but it's just about setting your, making yourself seem knowledgeable because you are right on the certain subject and just setting yourself up to, to be confident and letting them know that you, you can do this like there's a reason why you chose this this field.
1: Yeah, the copywriting, marketing, persuasion formulas, all that stuff will eventually come please for every writer who's listening to this, don't get bogged down in thinking you need to know exactly what to do in order to to get started. You need one client to give you one chance. Yeah. They're going to ask you, "Do you do this?" and it's you're going to want to say, "Well, I've never done it before, but Yes. No, no, no. Yes. I'll do that. Then you can scramble and start Googling and freaking out, but then you become resourceful. You research, you do what you have to do and you give them your best. Maybe, maybe it'll flop. Maybe they'll hate it. Maybe they'll drop you. Who cares? We have to all start somewhere. And it doesn't start with just knowing everything. It starts with getting your foot in the door. And that's exactly what, you did. And that's why I'm like, yes, like she gets it.
0: (laughs) I was nervous at first because I'm someone who I like to know what I'm doing. And when I don't know what I'm doing, it's very scary. Like I don't like to fail Mm -hmm. and I don't like when people see that I fail. So that's why I kept getting more books and just more and more and more. And it's like at a point where like, well, you know, when can I actually start? And so the way you break it down just made it easier for me to see like, yeah, I can just do one thing at a time. And and one, one thing that really helped was, you know, starting with content writing instead of just like going right into copywriting. If you start out with blogging or just doing certain content, to me, that's easier. And so you can kind of ease into it.
1: Yeah. Most people who enroll in the course at least have a bachelor's degree. You do not need one, but most people do. And if you have a bachelor's degree, it means you've written an essay, which means you can write a blog post. You'll have to learn some nuance, but I always say this, if you can write a high school or college level essay, you can write a blog post. And it's such a great foot in the door. I'm so glad you brought that up. Cause that's another point of confusion too, is like, People think they need to get right into direct response copywriting. And that's really hard to do. And personally, I never come out the gate offering something like that because there needs to at least through a cold pitch, because there needs to be a level of trust when you give someone like access to your website. Yeah. And if you have a built-out portfolio and you've done a million other websites, sure, you're going to get that opportunity. But if you're brand new, you can create your own blog post, make it look like you've been published. And it's like a low barrier to entry. So I'm I'm Perfect. glad that you brought that up.
0: Yeah. And I think the more you write, the more confident you'll okay, get. And then, you know, yeah. slowly you can ease into the other things as well, which is my plan.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And it the other thing is that it comes getting better because that's the other advice I see a lot online people are like just write every single day and keep improving but actually the only thing that really makes you better is client feedback yeah and that's why people are like do this copy what do they call it copy critique and like is this good and it's like nobody act other than the basic grammar nobody can tell you if it's good except for the client because it's what they want yeah so true Okay. So we'll end it on this. Talk to me a little bit about like the fear of rejection, especially with these client calls. I'm going to break it into two parts. I'll ask you about fear of rejection and how to overcome it. And then I'll ask you just like what your final advice would be for aspiring writers. But I think that's really key. What you said where you're like, I don't like to fail. I don't like to set myself up for like this messiness of learning. And when you get on the calls with clients, it can be nerve wracking and all this stuff So tell me about like fear of rejection and how you overcome it and how other writers can overcome that.
0: Yeah, I would say it's still something I'm working on, but I've actually, I've kind of prayed that a client would reject me or like give me really, really bad feedback because it is something that I want to get stronger in. I think it's important to separate ourselves from our work. So if somebody, for instance, if you're working with a client and you get really poor feedback and they don't want to work with you, oh, well, it's not a direct reflection of you as a person. They maybe just didn't like your style of writing or it's not what they were looking for. So I think just separating yourself from your work and seeing it not as a direct reflection of you. And so what if one person rejects you or if a client doesn't like you or your personality after discovery call? You know, there are so many others who you will track with and those are the people that you wanna work for anyway, not someone that you're gonna clash with. So yeah, if you gotten a call and it doesn't work out, go on to, to the next one, the next one and keep improving and, and don't let other people's opinions really discourage you, especially if you're getting a lot of good feedback and then there's one client who you know gives you negative feedback, okay? So just maybe learn from it if they're giving you constructive criticism, but don't let it stop you from pursuing the career. That's so good because I can't tell you how much time I've
1: spent, how much time I've wasted obsessing over critical feedback. And I noticed that the clients that really like me and like my work and want to work with me, their feedback, even though it's correction, never feels abrasive or bad. And some clients unfortunately do get abrasive and they do make you feel bad about yourself and those aren't your clients yes there's always room for improvement but if you feel like you're really being put down it could be a sign that it's just not a fit and like I can't emphasize enough to not take things personally
0: Yes,
1: that's so key I love that you said like separating yourself from from your work you are not your work yeah We, we are not our work it's true what would you say to writers who are on the fence about joining the course and they're just not sure that it's going to work for them?
0: Yeah, sure. So I would say just do the preliminary work of like studying copywriting, setting the basics of it. Don't go overboard and keep learning everything and just do learn the basics, go on forums like Reddit and just read what other people's stories have been. And if you're really wanting to get into it, I I think Christine's course is like the absolute best in terms of going from like point A where you you don't have anything set up to actually getting clients. Because it's really easy to just take it one step at a time as she lays it out. For instance, like choosing your niche, creating your website, building your portfolio and creating your LinkedIn profile and then sending out the cold pitches. So yeah. If you're really wanting to do this, I think the paid copywriter course is the best to really get going and get yourself out there and start getting clients. Chantel, thank you so much for
1: all of your wisdom. I'm super excited to put this out.